Um, as we begin our time here today, again, as, as many of you can see outside, it's been a bit of a crazy morning. We were trying to make those decisions. We initially canceled our 8.30 service yesterday. Uh, we canceled uh, the 8.30 service for today. We made that decision yesterday, and then this morning we woke up and saw the huge piles of snow that were outside, and we were just trying to make that decision. And so as we prayerfully considered it, we felt it was best to, to put a pause for the big gathering here for 10.30, but we did want to be here for online. So um, uh, some of the staff are here, as well as even a few guests uh, that made it out as well. So it's great to have you guys here. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's wonderful to be here. And everybody got here safely. So if you were wondering, uh, we are here okay. So um, if you would, turn in your Bibles to, uh, we're going to go to Jeremiah, to the Old Testament, in uh, chapter 29. And we are going to go into our, uh, another message in our uh, series called The Bible Doesn't Say That. Now, uh, if you're here the next time you're here or if you're online and you want to order it, uh, I meant to mention this before, but this, this book called The Most Misused Verses in the Bible, and it's by Eric Bargerhoff, Bargerhoff sorry, and he, it's a, he just does a wonderful job, and some of the verses that we're covering, uh, some of it comes from that uh, book, or at least the inspiration for this series. And so it's a great resource to have. It was very eye-opening to me when I read it in Bible school. And so I hope that you get a chance to get that. We do have a few copies here, so the next time you're here in person, uh, feel free to pick one of those up at our table. And uh, we'll, we'll, we have a small price on there. I think it's like suggested donation of $12 or something. So, so anyway, you're welcome for, to that the next time you're here. Uh, again, we're here in this series because I believe that, you know, more than ever, we need to be uh, Bible scholars, if you will, every single one of us, and we need to dig deep into God's Word because just so much is flying around. We're seeing uh, the times that we're living, there's just so many things, and, and just the way uh, it really causes people to go different directions sometimes, even within the church. And so really our foundation, our grounding is in, needs to be in Scripture, and so that is such, why there's such a big emphasis. That's why we're taking the time to, to go through some of these uh, most uh, mis misquoted or mis misinterpreted scriptures so that we have a great understanding. And so as we start today, I want to ask you a question. And I want you to really think about this. I know sometimes we ask questions and it's kind of, you know, rhetorical, we'll say, but I really want you to think about this question for a second. And the question is this, if, if, if somebody were to ask you, or if I asked you today this question, what would you say? Are you prosperous? Are you prosperous? Did you get an answer? Did you think about it for a second? Would you say, you know, if somebody came up to you and asked you that question, what would your answer be? Would it be a yes? Would it be a no? Would it be a somewhere in between? And why would you say that answer? And I want you to keep that in your mind today as we begin to move in uh, to the scripture today, our passage, because I think that's an important question to be able to answer. And I think you'll be uh, intrigued a little bit as we, we press into this, what we may discover, what pros true prosperity truly looks like. So, Again, Jeremiah chapter 29, um, we're going to read again a, a chunk here verses from verse 4 to 14, and we're going to get some context here, and you will see in the, towards the end here in verse 11 uh, a familiar verse that, that we're going to address today. So beginning in, in, in verse 4, chapter 29 of Jeremiah, it says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. 
Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners uh, who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Verse 10, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Here's verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, and some translations say to prosper you, and not for, uh, for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I, bring, I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we just come before you now, Lord God, and I just thank you for, for each person here. I thank you for each person watching online. Uh, God, we just thank you that we can gather together, that we can uh, just, uh, again, just be fed by your word to feed our spirits, Lord God. God, we also just take a moment just to remember those of us here within the body of Christ here at Long Grove Community Church that are just in pain and, and just hurting through and going through struggles. Uh, in particular, we remember uh, Sarah today, Lord, and just, uh, again, her elbow that's just had so many issues. And God, we ask you just to, just to touch her today, God, that you would bring physical healing. God, we also just think of the many that are struggling and battling cancer, Lord, and those who have lost loved ones recently. God, I just thank you that you are a God of comfort. You are a God who cares, who is close, Lord, to the, the hurting and the brokenhearted. God, you're also a God that heals, and so we believe that. You've told us to pray, and so, God, we pray and we ask you, Lord, just to, to be with these, these people, be with them in their, these moments of trial and struggle. God, we ask again just that your hand would rest upon them. God, we thank you for just your continuing uh, mercies here and your grace to sustain Long Grove Community Church through these times. We thank you for the, the many, many people, Lord God, who give faithfully uh, to keep uh, us going and to keep things moving forward here, to allow us to be able to reach so many, to be able to do things like we just saw in this video, Lord God, to get out into the community and to serve and to be a blessing. And so, God, I ask you to bless each one watching, each one here in person. I ask you to bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want to share a story with you here as we begin our time, and uh, it's, it is, a, to my knowledge, a fictitious story, but uh, I don't know, but anyway, you can, you can be the judge of that. Anyway, it's, it's a story about this, this prosperous young investment banker, and he's, he's driving his new BMW uh, on a mountain road during a snowstorm. How fitting, right? Minus the mountains, of course. Um, and as he veered around one sharp turn, he loses control and begins sliding off the road, and, and, and ends up uh, in, in this, well, he's going towards the edge. And in, the, in this moment here, you know, it's kind of like the movies. He, he gets the chance and the opportunity. He gets his seatbelt off. He flings his door open. And at the last possible moment, you know, he's able to leap from his car, which then tumbles down the ravine and it bursts into a ball of flames. Again, I'm sure many of you have seen this in movies, but imagine this in real life. 
And so in this scene here, we see that he uh, has escaped with his life. And so he's, he's sitting there for a moment on the side of, of the road. And, and somehow, in this process of exiting the vehicle, his arm got caught in the hinge of the door, and it has been torn off his shoulder. Again, very graphic, I know, but, you know, just get this scene in your head. So he's sitting there with one arm <laughs> and on the side of the road, kind of looking at this ball of flames that used to be his car, just kind of in shock. And, and as, as he's sitting there, this truck driver passes by and pulls off to the side. And so he, he gets out and he comes back to find the gentleman uh, just sitting there on the side of the road. And, and again, just staring at this, this ball of flames that used to be his BMW. And he's sitting there, and as he looks at this, this truck driver, he starts saying, he's like, my, my BMW, my, my new BMW. And, and again, he's, he's just totally oblivious to his injury. And the truck driver pointed at the banker's shoulder, and he said, sir, you've got bigger problems than your car. We've got to find your arm, so maybe the doctors uh, can eventually sew it back on, and maybe you can still have use of it. And as the banker looked over where his arm had been, he pauses for a moment, and then he groans, oh no, my Rolex, my new Rolex. And what's the point of this story? You know, he, again, he, he didn't understand the loss and how important the loss of his arm was far above what he had lost in his BMW or his Rolex watch. And so often I believe that us, especially here in America, we can be oblivious to the things that are most important, to the prosperity, if you will, that we already have. And I'm not just talking about material things. But here's a question, where, where does this prosperity line of thinking come from? In this passage that I read earlier, I read from the ESV, the English Standard Version. In the NIV, it reads this way. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And so the question today is, we, we, we study this as we look at it, you know, did the NIV get it wrong? You know, I, I don't think that that's the case. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the problem as, as we look at it is not so much the translation, but I believe it's the, our definition of what prosperity really is. What do we see, or you know, we say someone is prosperous, what does that look like in our mind? Going back to the question I asked at the start, would most of us say that we are prosperous? I think for myself, I don't think I would say yes. I don't see myself as a prosperous person. And, you know, again, I think that's the case in so often in so many people, that's, that's, that's what happens. Listen to what Merriam-Webster, the dictionary, defines prosperity as, okay, as we continue to, to get to the root of this. They, it defines it as the state of being successful, usually by making a lot of money. That's what the dictionary defines prosperity as. And then we, we, we wonder, we, we kind of scratch our head, you know, why are people so materially focused when it comes to this word prosperity? Why we don't see ourselves as prosperous? You see, we have lost what the true meaning of, of being prosperous really is because we limit it only to a material definition. Let's say you're you're walking down the road or you're going to meet some friends and, and, and they ask you this question of, you know, so, so how, how are you doing or, or, or what's going on? You know, how many of us would say, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty, I'm pretty prosperous. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, did you win the lottery? Did you, you know, it's, it's again, this, this materialism 
and this focus on money because we just struggle to the way we see ourselves as prosperous. And sadly, this material definition, as we've seen too many times, has really crept into the church with things like the prosperity gospel, as it's called, or the health and wealth line of teaching. You know, it's, 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 a, it's really sad to see so many people that are getting swept up in this movement of the prosperity gospel. And again, it's because, in one sense, we can say we, we love the prosperity gospel, but we've got to define that word prosperity well. The problem is, is with the prosperity gospel movement, it's such a heavy focus on, on being materially wealthy, right? We're king's kids. I've, I've heard all these things. I was in this in the past, a long time ago. I used to be in that line of, of uh, churches. And so, you know, you, you've got to confess those things. You've got to say, no, I'm, I'm not poor. I'm rich. You know, I'm a king's kid. I'm royalty, uh, too blessed, you know, all this stuff. And God wants us to have all of these things. Now, again, in one sense, is there anything wrong, anything wrong with having things? Not really. But the problem comes is when those things have us. When all we're seeking, we're seeking, you know, God's hand as the giver more than we're seeking his face as, as who he is. You see, as we seek and press into God and as we seek God for who he is, things will come. Blessing will come because we have relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. And so we have really everything that we need, right? And so again, just understand that, that this word prosperity, we've got to, to kind of rewire some things in our mind. Prosperous or prosperity uh, in, in, in the Old Testament, it's, it's derived from the word Salom, Salom, S-A-L-O-M. And it occurs 236 times in the Old Testament. So there's a lot of being said, and it's used a lot of times throughout, throughout the Old Testament. But I want you to listen to this. This is, this is what that word means, where this, this, our word prosperity can't, comes from in Scripture, why it's translated prosperity. Listen to what it all contains. The first thing it contains is peace. How many could say amen to that today? Like, how many would just feel like they were prosperous if they could just find some peace in their life in this world that we're living right now? The first thing is peace. Another, another uh, uh, aspect of it is success. Another aspect is welfare. Safety. A state of health. Deliverance. And also salvation. What a word, right? I mean, it has such a deep, uh, such a depth to, of meaning that we can miss when we simply just put material wealth on it. And we're going we're gonna to get back around to those, those words I just listed. We're going to kind of work that out a little bit here in a minute. But let's, let's move forward and let's, let's get into some of what's going on here in Jeremiah chapter 29. Now, while 70 years is often regarded as, as a round number, okay? There's, there's uh, if you look through scripture, if you've, you've heard, you know, how many times do we forgive? You know, 70 times seven. The number seven is, is this, the number of completion. We see it a lot, but here it is, it is really literally referring to a 70-year period. And so it's, it's from the time of around 605 B.C. to 536 B.C. when Zerubbabel led the first group of resettlers, resettlers back to Judah, okay? So we're talking about a specific time in history, a specific 70 years. 
And so a few things about this, this, this exile that we have to look at. One thing I want us to note, and it's, it's so important for us to, especially as we're, again, in the climate that we're living in, um, even the good people, even the people that were doing things right there, okay, that, that, were, being, that were honoring God, would go to exile. They were, they were not like, God didn't come in and say, well, you guys are doing things okay, so you're going to go over here, and I'm just going to punish these people and, or move these people to exile. All of them had to go into exile. And understand that. I mean, that's, that's something I think oftentimes we, we kind of can get this mindset where we as Christians should be insulated from difficult things that happen in this world, challenges that come. But that's not the case. God has never promised to give us a detour around the challenges, did he? <laughs> he promises to go through them with us. He promises not to leave us or forsake us. And so, again, we, we can hold true to that, but don't think that we sidestep challenges in life or, or difficult seasons or hard seasons just because we're Christians. And here, again, God is speaking to a specific part of the Israelite nation of Judah. All right? He's speaking to them. And they heard this promise on their way to exile. So put yourself in their shoes, and you, you're, you're coming into this place now, and you realize that you're going in, in, into, into this exile. You're going to go to this 70 years, this stretch. And for most people, if we do the math, most people are not going to see the end of the exile. <laughs> They're going to die in that setting, in that situation. And so we, we really, I mean, my heart goes out to those people, but you can kind of see why God is getting into, like, what he's saying, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but why he's saying, you need to live your lives. You need to get out and do what you do. You don't sit there and just kind of huddle up and shelter and wait and like, well, I'm just going to stay here. No, God is calling you, and it was calling them, to get out and to live life. And so God is speaking to this nation and not to just a specific person. So, so what can we really pull together? What can we gather from this passage? First, in verses 4, 7, and 14, something very interesting is there. Let's, let's look at, at verse 4 for a moment. Verse 4 it says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom, what? I have sent into exile. Who sent them into exile? Who sent them to this place? God did. The Lord did. And so, you know, again, this, this is kind of eye-opening. God had a plan. God was using this time of exile to accomplish his purposes and his will. And his will, he was the one sending them. And so, again, it's, it's, they're entering into this season of challenge, and, and it's going to be for a long time. And so God is telling them, you are, I am sending you to this place, but live your life. You know, in verse 5, he tells them, he says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. In verse six, 6, he says, get married, have children. Once they are of age, have their children marry and have more children. 
He's telling them, live your life. Don't stop. Verse 7, live to bring welfare to the city you are in. And pray for this city, because if it is doing well, then you will do well also. You know, church, we're called to pray for our city. We're called to pray for our state. We're called to pray for our country and for the leaders of our country. We are called to do that. We're called to ask God to bless this nation, bless this state. And so we need to make sure that we are engaging that much like is being said here. In verses 8 and 9, we see a very uh, a stern warning, which I think is applicable to today. And, you know, kind of touched a little bit on some of it. But it, it says, you know, do not let your prophets uh, and your, your diviner, div, diviners, sorry, who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they may dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I will not send them, declares the Lord. Once again, as we look at our world today, and we look at just so many things that are online, there's, there's literally people from all over the place, people that call themselves pastors, um, people that, some people don't even have a congregation, they just get on their computer and they get a following there. And we have to be so careful because so many people will come along and they'll, they'll look like a sheep, so to speak. They smell like a sheep, but they're not a sheep. And so we have to weigh what's being said. We have to look at Scripture versus what's being said because there are false prophets, there are false teachers, and, and it's not going to always be something that kind of smacks you in the face. It's going to be, there's going to be some truth woven in there, but it's just going to kind of just veer off just a little bit. And if you ever look at something with trajectory, you know, what starts out as just a little angle here, if I continue that path, it just continues to go further and further away, doesn't it? It becomes easier to move off-center, doesn't it? And so we have to, church, be so careful today to understand the Word of God, to know the Word of God, and to know who it is that we're listening to or who we're calling teachers or pastors. Know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And as I say often, when I preach, I hope you go and I hope you look in your, your Bibles, that you look in Scripture and what's been said. You know, because I could get it wrong. I don't, my, it's not my intention. But you need to know what, you, what the Word of God says for yourself. So don't be swayed by false prophets or teachers. In verse 11, he goes out and says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's an encouraging word, I believe, isn't it? For I know the plans I have for you. And, and again, here's our, our, our flagship scripture for today, our, our main focus here today. Declares the Lord plans, what? To prosper you and, and, again, not bring evil to you. But again, he's talking about a very different prosperity than what our definition is currently. In verses 12 and 13, he says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Where is your heart today, church? Where is my heart today? Is it, is it after the things of God? Is it pursuing the things of God? Or, or is it being led astray by, by the earthly things? By things that, maybe even things that are good. 
not all things are necessarily this bad thing, but if we continue to pursue that and, and we put that as our, as our kind of God, if you will, if we put it above God, then we can easily get off track. So how do we apply this scripture? How do we, what do we do with all these things? And I, I told you I would come back to that long definition of all those terms that we, we talked about earlier of, of, of what that word Salem meant. And, you know, again, I think as we look at these terms, and we're going to just kind of blast some scriptures here at you, um, I want you just to, to really let this unpack a bit for you. All right? Here's the deal. When, when we look at this, that we can have a future hope, we will experience eternal life uh, and a full restoration will truly be experienced in its fullest sense even here as we pursue eternity. Because here's the reality. is, is Jesus is every single one of those things that are defined in that word Salem. And I'm going to show you, all right? If you remember, the first word in that definition was peace. Peace. And then, again, Ephesians 2, verses 13 through 14, it says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. You see, you can have peace in your life. If you have Jesus Christ in your life and you have relationship there, you have peace in your life. And the reality is nothing can take that. You can let it go. You can give it away. <laughs> when we say, I've lost my peace, I've you know, when you, and you know that happens at times with certain people, or you get that phone call, or something happens, or you jump on the news, and it's just like you can feel like you're losing your peace. We can have peace in the midst of the storm. We can have peace in the greatest trials. And I would encourage you, one thing that I've learned in my life is that when I start to feel like I'm losing my peace here in my heart, I need to pull back and I need to, to, to refine that. They need to connect again with Jesus. And I'm not talking about an emotion. I know when I have the peace of God because I can have that in any setting no matter what. So again, Jesus is our peace. Secondly, that there was a word in there, prosperity. All right? Talking about prosperity today. In Colossians 1, 15 through 17, it says, He is the image, Jesus, uh, of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Listen, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Again, when we have Jesus, we have everything, literally, all things. It doesn't matter, because all things are found in Christ Jesus. It's not found at the bottom of a bottle. It's not found out on the street somewhere. It's not found in the next drug, in the next relationship. It's not found in any of those places. Prosperity, all things, if you will, is found in Jesus. Jesus is our prosperity. The next one is success. Jesus is our success. John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If you are looking, you know, whatever that looks like for you, success, even if it is on your job or even if it is, 
you know, with your family, if, whatever that looks like, if you're looking to be successful, you will not truly arrive there unless you have Jesus. It says we will produce much fruit. We will bear much fruit if we stay in Christ Jesus. Don't ever second-guess that. Jesus also is our welfare and safety. Psalms 46, 1 through 3, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with its turmoil. Jesus is our safety. He is our well-being. And we can see that very clearly here in Scripture. Jesus also is our state of health. Isaiah 53.5, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. You know, again, we have healing through Christ Jesus. And you know, when, when, we, when we go through difficult times, when we go through times where we're sick or we know people that are sick and we're praying, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to see that. But we have to hold true, first and foremost, one, that God can heal. God can heal. And he does heal. And then we also can hold to the fact that, you know what, even if we go through suffering in this time, in this life, we will receive an ultimate healing in eternity. And for some, that's, that is the answer. And so we have to remember that, and as we approach that, we have to remember that Jesus is our healing. Uh, Jesus is our deliverance. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer from 2 Samuel 22.2. He is our deliverer. And Jesus, finally, is our salvation. In Acts 4, verses 11 through 12, it says, This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, <clears throat> which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. And that, my friends, brothers and sisters, is, is the heart of it all, isn't it? Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is the one that brings us into eternal life. And it only comes through him and by him. So if you haven't come to this conclusion yet, let me, let me kind of summarize it right now. We are prosperous because we have Jesus Christ. We are prosperous because we have Jesus Christ. You see, not everything is reserved for heaven. We can experience things here on earth, can't we? We can experience spiritual blessings like reconciliation, forgiveness, peace with God, fellowship in the church, and love. Yesterday, as we gathered together to go out and serve, I mean, there was such a sense of fellowship, like to do something that is not about us, right? That's what it, our calling is as believers, as followers of Christ, is, is to serve others, Jesus himself said he came to what? To serve. And so when we do that, and that's what all of yesterday was. That's why we call it Serve Saturday. It's just this, when you're giving of yourself and you're blessing other people and you're doing things to partner with people who are also part of the kingdom, who are doing things 
for the glory of God, to reach the lost, to be a blessing to their communities. It is such an amazing thing, and you are blessed by it as, as a result. And so again, we have fellowship in the church and love. We can also experience in this life the fruit of the Spirit, as well as answers to prayer and joy in worship. We are such a prosperous people, and I'm talking about Christians, because we are in relationship with an amazing God who loves us and who cares for us deeply. You see, to see prosperity as, as only financial wealth, like so many do, it's a lot like taking a bite of, of your favorite piece of cake. How many here like cake or are watching online? Anybody like cake, I hope? Maybe, yep. I'm a cake person. I, I don't really, I'm not discriminate too much if it's good, and, it, you know, I, I like it. So most of us love cake. And imagine, you know, you made this, this cake for somebody, birthday cake, whatever kind of cake is in your head, and, or dessert, just, let's just go there, any kind of dessert. And let's say you, you gave it to this person, right, and they took this big bite, and, and you're sitting there, you're trying to act all, you know, like nonchalant, but you're kind of watching, you know, you're trying to see, like, uh, waiting for that moment where my great cooking skills, you know, hits this person and they're excited, like, that's amazing. You're looking for that. And what if they suddenly took a bite of, let's say, your cake, and then they look at you as they're chewing it, and they're like, man, you know, that is some of the, the best flour in there that I've ever tasted. The flour is incredible in this piece of cake. Or what if they said, wow, the, the oil in this cake, where, what is that? What's that oil in that? It's just amazing. Is it vegetable? Is it olive? What is it? It's just wonderful. We would look at them crazy, wouldn't we? Probably like people are looking at me crazy right now. Here. We would look at them crazy. Why? Because they're missing the whole picture, aren't they? <laughs> when we take a bite of that cake, when we're taking or a bite of that piece of pie or that cookie or whatever that dessert is, whatever that good thing is, the whole point of it is that you take it in its entirety. And all of those things come together to make that wonderful taste in your mouth. And with prosperity, the problem is when we look at only the financial side, we are missing the big picture, aren't we? We're missing the fact that, no, this is just one small element. You know, the prosperity, the prosperous part, we've got all of these other things. And it's all contained in our piece of cake, or as we say, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is our piece of cake. And when we have Jesus, we get the good oil, we get the good flour, we get the sugar and the salt and the chocolate or whatever it is that's in there. We get all of that because that's how great Jesus is. And so when we ask ourselves, are we prosperous? We should, without hesitation, and anything short of standing up and yelling it from the rooftops, we should be, yes, I am prosperous. And it's not about my bank account. It's not about the house I live in, the car that I drive. It's not about any of that. It's the simple fact that I have Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That, church, is why we are prosperous. And I don't want to be oblivious to the fact that there are times in our life when we are facing difficult seasons, we are facing trials and struggles and just difficult moments in life 
that it's, sometimes it's hard to remember that we are prosperous. And this is why it is so important that we come back to the Word of God, that when we begin to sense that peace leaving, and we're like, God, I, I just need to know that, that you're present. I need to know your peace right now. We need to come back to Scripture because that is what points us back to the fact that even when all hell is crashing in around us and everything is falling apart, we can still stand and say that we're prosperous because we have Jesus Christ. And I want to leave you as we close today with this, this verse from Hebrews 13, verse 14. And I want to read from the New Living Translation. And it says, it says, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. And much like those exiles, much like what we read about today, while we are to be engaged in our world, and this is where, again, this is another kind of vein of, of Christianity where people kind of get it wrong. They try to insulate themselves so much. You know, they only have Christian friends. You know, they don't, they don't want to be in the world at all. But we are called to be in the world, but not of it. If we're not going out to reach the lost, if we're not going out being in the world, who is? <laughs> we're, we're light bearers. We're to carry this good news to the lost. Again, where are the sick people at? They're in the hospital, right? That's, those are the ones that need the doctor. And much like we saw Jesus and what he said, he's like, I need to go to where the people are. And so we've got to make sure we don't fall into this trap of insulating ourselves or thinking that, no, I can't. I'm just going to hold up in here and the world can stay out there. No, we need to find places to engage. And again, while doing that, we need to remember that this is not our permanent home. And that's the other side of the coin, right? While we're out there, while we're engaging, we don't want to get pulled into it. While we live our lives, while we, 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 we do what we do here, and we can even enjoy our life here, right? I mean, God created the world, you know, for enjoyment initially until sin entered it. But there's nothing wrong with having fun. There's nothing wrong with doing things, you know, together uh, with friends or family and enjoy it. But we can't get lost in that, can we? We can't get sucked in. We need to remember that we are looking forward to a home that's yet to come. And so my prayer for you today is that we, you would know true prosperity, that you would know that even while we are in this world, while we see things, horrific things happening, that we can be confident that God is still on the throne, that God is sovereign, and that God is with us as we walk through this time. We're, you know, it's a pilgrimage, right? It's, 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 we're, we're on this journey. And so we just need to make sure that we're still moving, and we need to make sure that we have good people around us, brothers and sisters in Christ, that can help us when we fall to the side. Would you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord God, just to share your word. I thank you for just your goodness, Lord. God, I thank you that we are truly prosperous people. And God, I thank you as driving in this morning and just or looking out the window for, for many who are watching online and just seeing the white snow just blanket everything. And God, as 
as we're reminded, that's, that's what you've done. You've made us white as snow. You've, you've turned our darkness into that beautiful, clean snow. God, you've done that through your son, Jesus Christ, and the tremendous price that was paid for our sins. So God, we are grateful for that. God, forgive us where we've lost sight of the prosperity that we truly have. And God, I pray that you would uh, just reveal that to us in such a way that we would know that within the depths of who we are. No matter what it is we're facing today, Lord God, I pray for everyone here and online. Many situations are represented, many challenges are represented, but God, let us always keep our eyes on you. Lord God, I just want to lift up anyone within the sound of my voice here or online. Lord, that if they don't know you as Lord and Savior, if they don't know what true prosperity is in Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that they would make that decision today. Lord, I pray that they would recognize their need for a Savior, that they would confess their sins to you, and they would pray and just simply say that I'm a sinner. Forgive me. God, that they would acknowledge that you are Lord and Savior and that you died on the cross and on the third day you rose from the dead. And God, I pray that they would put, choose to put their hope and their trust in you today. God, I thank you that we can come to you today, that we can go to your word, Lord, and be uh, reminded, God, that our, our hearts can be stirred, that we can draw strength, Lord, from, from, from what we've heard and read today. And God, I pray that you will just continue to keep each one uh, safe and in your care, Lord. If those who have to travel today, that you would be with them. God, I just thank you for just the, the means, Lord, to be able to be online today, to be connected still, even through uh, this, this platform. God, while we're not all here in person, Lord, we are connected. And so I thank you for that, and I thank you even more that we're connected by the Spirit, Lord. And so, God, I just pray for every single person watching and every person here that you would bless them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.